Hi, I'm Steve, and this is my story of Experience, Strength, and Hope on the Room 14 podcast. Hey, all. Welcome to Room 14 and Episode 14 of the Room 14 podcast. How's that for a bunch of 14s? I truly never thought I would have ever had this many episodes with unique guests I am so appreciative for today's guest and all of my great guests. Thank you for, thank you all for helping me to carry the message of recovery and happiness. Today we hear Steve's story of experience, strength, and hope. Many of my relationships in recovery have been in AA. Many of them have been from meetings at our one and only clubhouse in Lincoln, the meeting place. I met this episode guest in front of the meeting place and that day we talked for an extensive amount of time maybe two or three hours he has since become a friend a pillar in the AA community here and he provides a great amount of service work once I reached out to him to chair a meeting for me that no one else was willing to do And I was really lucky that he did, because the only person that showed up to that meeting was a newcomer, somebody within their first week of recovery. Um, I am grateful for Steve and what recovery has done for him. So, without further delay, here's Steve. Hey, 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 everybody. Here is another episode of the Room 14 podcast. I am in Room 14 with my good friend, whether he wants to be or not, um, Steve. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, This is pretty unnatural, so I'm going to get up and close the door, too. Um, So, how do you want to start it? I don't know. From the beginning, I guess. Okay. Let's go from the beginning. So my first memories um, of life, uh, we lived in the country and my dad was an alcoholic, is an alcoholic. Um, I don't remember seeing it, but I remember hearing it at night when he'd come home and there was yelling and screaming and uh, violence. Um, I never saw it though. I was always in my room. Um, At about age five, we, mom, left him. And uh, we went off on our own. Um, we lived near my grandma. It was, uh, I don't know, I, I was so young, I, I really didn't know the difference, and that's just how my life had always been. You know, it just didn't seem like it was something that was so different. Um, it was all you knew. Yeah, it's all that I knew. I mean, I can't say that I was, I didn't have an unhappy childhood. Um, but that was just something that was there, you know. And it affected me, and it still affects me in my life, I, I do believe. I did not drink until I went in the Marine Corps at almost age 20. And before that, I was very much against drinking. You know, all through high school, you know, and there were plenty of opportunities. I, I think most of my friends um, had some beers at some point, but I was always just kind of on the outside of it. I went to a couple of parties where it was there, but I just, 
I had no interest in it because I didn't want to become like my father, you know, and that was a very important thing to me. Um, you know, but then I joined the Marine Corps, you know, and in California at that time, you could drink at age 18 on base. And mm. so it was available. I, I was 20. I, my first drunk, the first time I ever drank was uh, on boot camp leave. And the guy that recruited me took me out to a bar that he was uh, um, a bouncer at. And I was underage. I was 20 and uh, drank Budweiser and uh, I don't know, Jack Daniels or Bob Turkey. I don't remember now, you know, and. I don't remember it being fun. I just remember it being, it was kind of fun. <laughs> I got a little crazy right away. I pissed on our high school rival's uh, school bell on our way back to our town. <laughs> um, so that, could, that would define a lot of my alcoholism probably, um, or at least my drinking career. Um, so I was in the Marine Corps for six years. The first couple of years, I wouldn't say that it was fun. I really don't remember the first couple of years of drinking. I didn't drink that often. It wasn't that important to me. You know, when it was around, it was around. Um, I was too young to buy alcohol mm. in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Most people didn't have a car, and uh, the sea store was like three miles away. So you had to be really motivated to talk somebody into buying it or, or whatever. It just, it wasn't, surprisingly, it wasn't in the barracks that much. It wasn't allowed in the barracks. Oh. So that was also, you know, so if people were drinking, they were probably drinking discreetly. Um, when I came back from North Iraq, um, I did start to drink more. I don't know. I, I, I still have a hard time characterizing those years as years of being an alcoholic. I think I was mostly just a heavy drinker. Um, there were some problems here and there. I never got in trouble in, with any uh, legal stuff in the Marine Corps. Um, I, I, was, I could manage everything um, as I moved up in the ranks. You know, I set certain rules for myself and I followed those things. But I was certainly part of a drinking club. And, and I probably drank every day that I was in the country anyway. Obviously, when you're out of the country, you cannot. Um, did, it, you, did you? Did you? I don't want to... I didn't want to interrupt you, but uh, did did you have ever have thoughts like during this time? Did you ever have thoughts? I have a, I think I have a problem, or I am an alcoholic, or like in your innermost. No, I don't think no. that was that was not one of the choices that I had for like seeing things. You know, I I think I had mornings in which I woke up, in which I said, well. I'm not going to drink today, but, you know, 4.30 rolls around and uh, there's nothing else to do in Camp Lejeune. You have to drive like three hours away for people to be nice to you, at least back in the early 90s. Maybe it's changed there since. But, um, you know, it was a very difficult place to be. You know, we were very isolated. Um, I, I would call us, you know, for me, my experience was more like just a warrior monk. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There was just nothing else to do. But, you know, that that's where I learned to drink. And that's where, you know, when I got out in 1995, you know, and it was hard for me. Well, it, it's always been hard for me to let the party do, go. Um, you know, I liked the social part of it. Um, 
I loved bars. I immediately became, when I got out, I immediately became a regular at a bar. I met a girl, um, a little complicated at first. Um, and, uh, and because I was such a bar guy, she gave me an ultimatum to, uh, stop drinking or we weren't going to have a relationship. And, and I stopped drinking for a year and a half, you know, and it wasn't a problem. I was so busy back then. I was going to, to college and, you know, it, it was easy, you know, and I got so much done, so much done. So again, you know, still alcoholism really wasn't, you know, other than the fact that, Hey, your dad is an alcoholic and, and, and I still grew up with my stepdad with a certain amount of alcohol in the house. Um, probably more than what they would, what a psychiatrist would today say is the, so time went on and, uh, I, I went off to OCS. I wanted to go back to the Marine Corps. Well, it turns out I had a nervous breakdown, I guess is what you would call it. I melted down one day and, uh, spent a night in Walter Reed. It's a very pivotal part in my life. Um, almost a, like a switch between my old life and my new life uh, or at least the new life at that moment um, you know when something happens like that to you and you don't know what's going on and you don't accept it it's just going to get progressively worse you know and that's what I did 1999 was probably one of the worst years of my life you know, I was a liar. I didn't like being a liar. I was a cheater. I didn't like being a cheater. Hmm. And, um, and I changed all of my relationships. But I also got engaged to be married. A few weeks later, in two, 2020, I <laughs> married a gal. And, About face. And, and I was still a heavy drinker. I still just don't know if my alcoholic, if I would really say that I was an alcoholic still. It's a difficult thing to... For me to nail down um, that marriage lasted about two years because um, as I would learn 20 years later 18 years later something like that that I was bipolar too and you know when you're not treating anything again everything just becomes progressively worse so she left me a couple of days after 9-11 because I was rather upset and she'd had enough of me, and that was fine, because as, although I was disappointed by the end of a, a marriage, I was free from the hell that we were living in, because we did not get along well together at all. Mm. Um, I mostly drank on weekends at that time, um, so I was still in school. For the first time, I was alone for like two months. I drank a lot. You know, that that semester of school went away because I just kind of quit. And some of that had to do with my mental problems. I just, I'm just, I studied history and I needed to write and I just couldn't write anymore. I didn't have a focus anymore and it was very frustrating and it's still frustrating because it's still a bit difficult for me. To write? Yes. Um, and so, you know, I was drinking away, uh, made some new drinking friends, didn't like that whole being alone thing, and so I met who is now my present wife, and we just celebrated 20 years. Congratulations, by the way. Um, but my alcoholism was kicked off by then. 
I'm pretty sure I could probably say that I was now powerless over alcoholic and my life was certainly unmanageable. Um, for the next 17 years, I barely worked. I lived two blocks away from a bar. Um, I'd had a DUI in December of 1999 and I'm talking about um, the end of 2021 now. Um, you know, and so in my fancy brain, I thought, oh, if you live two blocks from a bar, you never have to drive, so you don't have to worry about that stuff. Well, living two blocks away from a bar in which you can attend it all the time um, with every single emotional reaction that you can possibly have, the highs and the lows and the in-betweens, um, you know, it's kind of, it, it's not a good thing. And you don't have to worry about getting in a car. There's, there's no limits. And I sure, I certainly proved that for a good 15 years. I was a regular at that bar. Uh, I kind of became a mayor of that bar in a sense. Um, but like I said, I, I didn't work. Um, I had a hard time just not shaking and not from alcohol. You know, that this, I, I, I really, believe that these underlying issues that I did not address, you know, really affected me. Um, you know, I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps in the infantry, and I just thought that I could just turn my life around, no problem, just just change the channel, steer the boat somewhere different, and it would work. And, and instead, I, it turned into, I just don't care anymore. And I didn't. It was deep depression. It was everything else. And I drank over it, and I hid, and and I hate to lie, you know, and so I think a few times I'd be like, oh, I'd try to make it cute. Oh, what do you do these days? And I, I don't even remember what I'd say anymore. But uh, <clears throat> in the end, I'd just tell people and then, you know, they'd always judge. And, you know, and that just made me want to hide more. Um, and it was bad. And it was bad like that for 15 years. I, I lived four hours away from a divorce for all those years. Which, which didn't help out either thing, either the mental or the alcoholism. I didn't know what to do about it. Um, I didn't know there was a solution. I had no idea. Um, I'd heard the words Alcoholics Anonymous, but I had no idea. In um, 2017, my wife took a job in another town and I was like, okay, you know, and I talked to some of my bar friends and they were like, change is good. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, but I was willing, you know. And so we changed towns and then I was away from my bar. And I changed people, places and playgrounds and it, my drinking changed. Um, I think between August 21st and uh, November 11th, I only got drunk six times. Um, I didn't know anybody. I'm a bar guy. I never drink at home. My wife is not a drinker. She doesn't really care for a guy that gets a little squirrely when he's drinking. And so I just never drink at home. I, I don't have that. I'm just not used to it. In the Marine Corps, I didn't have a problem with drinking alone, but, but I don't know that I was an alcoholic. Um, so here I was in um, another town. <clears throat> I was going to the VA again getting some help. I'd gotten sick just before 
we move down to um, to this town. And so that kind of puts you into their whole life kind of experience. And if you have mental issues, then of course you start talking to a psychiatrist. And if you tell the psychiatrist anything remotely close to being the truth about your drinking, then they want you to go to outpatient therapy. Um, and uh, right when I was going to take my alcohol assessment, we were moving and the guy was like, well, there's no point in doing it. You know, just, just go down to Lincoln and start it all over again. And that's what I did because I didn't, I saw something in getting back into the mental health stuff with the VA. And because uh, I had nothing else to lose, you know, if they could somehow <laughs> make some miracle happen. Wow, wouldn't that be great? Um, so I took their alcohol assessment, didn't like the results, didn't want to quit. I wanted, I believe my words was, I, I want to drink a glass of wine at my anniversary. I don't want to have this kind of limit, you know, um, for years, I think I always, it was like Truman said something like, you know, never trust a man that doesn't drink. You know, I loved that when my mm. drinking days, that, that, uh, that version <laughs> and, uh, so, so I took my alcohol assessment, um, talked to my psychiatrist. She was going to do a med change on me. I, I, I'd learned finally to kind of talk to them about my meds. I hate, I hate side effects. Mm. And so she gave me a new medication. And, and the last time I drank was at the Marine Corps birthday. And for some reason I was talking about, this is probably the last time I'm going to drink. Um, and there was three of us that one of them had quit. It was a guy that I'd worked for kind of off and on for a couple of years. Um, and then a really good friend of mine. Um, and they're both good friends of mine, I should say. And so with the VA these days, they mail you your medication and it arrived on Tuesday and I took the medication. Well, being such a sensitive person, I'm also sensitive to medications. Ah. And for 18 days, I slept probably 16 to 18 hours a day. My mind started to warp, and a person that I call Miss 1999 became too real again. So I needed to um, get a hold of her, and so she could tell me to fuck off and die. <laughs> so that, you know, I knew that was real. Something else happened when I contacted her. I contacted her through Facebook Messenger. And we chatted for about four hours. Um, I was in a horrible state. You know, I, I used the word um, hopeless and in despair. And um, what she said to me was, Steve, you're allowed to be happy. Go to Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, of course, I didn't react well to that because she was a bit bossy and mm. controlling. And, oh, man, she's doing that to me again. This hasn't happened for a long time. Um, but she also linked um, in the messenger um, a meeting guide. So I kept that browser open. And the next day I was looking at it and I decided, hey, let's go see what this is. Um, I'm an adult. It's free and I can leave five minutes after five minutes if I don't like it. 
And what happened instead was... Um, Real quick, I may have missed it, but if you did, if you did already or if you didn't, would, would you share your actual sobriety date with me? November 11, 2017. So you just passed it? Yes. Um, it's a very humbling thing. It is. Well, congratulations. Did you do anything to celebrate that? I went to a meeting with my sponsor, and he gave me a coin. Nice. And that was about it. I mean, it's basically, a, you know, it's just another day. I mean, I, I was a bit nervous the week before. But, you know, and now I'm in that week. My group celebrates every day, you know. We, we, my home group is five days a week. And so you get to announce every day for seven days to make sure everybody hears it. Um, you know, because you never know who might, you know, get a lot of, you know, a lot of hope from what you say, as my sponsor pointed out to me. And I don't generally go to meetings on weekends. And he was like, no, you should go on Saturday. And I'm like, I haven't been to that meeting for a year. And he was like, you should go. Somebody might need to hear it. And so that, that's what I did, you know, because I surrender and I obey and I'm willing and you know, and I'm open-minded to those things. I need to be reminded constantly about those things. Um, but, I mean, that's, you know, that's why the, that's why we participate in our fellowship. You know, it's one thing, I think a couple of years ago I said something to somebody. I was, I was a guardian for a friend of mine from the bar days. He'd, um, well, he spent 96 days in a burn unit. He wasn't burned on the outside. It was all inhalation. And that really amped me up a little bit. I wasn't totally sure what to do. Um, he had no family. So I was it. And I remember one day I was talking to one of the elders, the long timers. Mm -hmm. And I said something, you know, I've just never gotten very far from AA. And that is such the success to it. Um, oh, I know one thing that we should talk about. Tell me. What's the one thing we should talk about? Spirituality. Let's do it. I totally skipped that, huh? Well, I want real quick, I wanna I wanna just touch on the, the celebration aspect and the and the uh, um, you celebrating mm -hmm. your your most recent milestone. Um, I try to even though this I think you'll end up being the 12th or no 14th, the 14th episode that I'll publish. And, um, though I, I guess I don't take for granted that any one listener listens to any other episode and that potentially this could be the first. And so though I knew your birthday, um, I didn't, I didn't want to take, obviously take for granted that a people listening knew your birthday or that, uh, they knew how birthdays are celebrated. So is there anything you do with your medallion that you're given? Try not to lose it. You carry it. It's in my billfold. It's in your billfold. That's cool. Just another one of those questions. Yeah. Um, so you are wanting to talk a little bit about spirituality. What do you got? Well, my so, you know, when you come into the program and they say, "Hey, 
you need to get a higher power. Well, yeah. I was rather freaked out about that because I do not like religion, like so many of us. Um, I remember it was like day four, and I think I, I, I wanted, I, I was one of those newcomers, let's talk about God, because I don't understand, you know, and it's, I have kind of an emotional response, and I, and I had, I came into the program when I was 47 years old. And so it's, you know, you practice living a certain life for 47 years. And then somebody says, oh, hey, you got to change this thing. And, you know, you have to find a higher power. And, you know, this is one of my favorite subjects. It really is. You know, because it was just so hard for me. Again, I'm slow. I'm slow at things. Um, remember, I didn't like it when people would try to give me their higher power. I just, I couldn't hear them. I would just completely shut off, you know, because all I could hear was religion. And, you know, and with the religion, you know, comes history and comes, uh, you know, for me, struggling against it, you know. And finally, after a year, I heard somebody, and he was probably, who knows, he could have been the 20th person, the 100th person that said this to me. Steve, all you have to do is be open-minded. And I could rest a little bit with that one, you know. After a year, I was, I was calming down just a touch. Um, and that helped me out. You know, there, there was another milestone, I guess, that would come up there. You know, at, at a year and a half, the topic of loneliness popped up. And I thought about it, and I was like, I haven't been lonely for a while. And it was the first time in my whole life that I did not feel lonely. First time, which was an amazing feeling, um, and but I couldn't define why. Is it meetings? Is it you know the fellowship? Is it um, I didn't have a sponsor yet. I wasn't working steps yet, you know. Um, but what was it? What was that magic element there, you know? And I, when I think back to it, it was probably at the very least that I was granting, you know, some, my what my higher power was was as it's suggested in the book. You know that some people use the group and the group was although I couldn't really even define that at that moment um, so later on um, you know when I did get a sponsor and we cruised back past two and three pretty quick <laughs> you know and I just still just didn't have the answer that I really wanted I think at year three I could actually start to see some spiritual moments the first day when when I came into AA that seat that the chair that I sat in the people that I talked to um, for example the very first person I talked to in AA is the same person that I am on um, special events with he's the the chairman there he's the district committee member for the the district that I'm a GSR in mm. you know and we're on another thing that's not affiliated with AA. And um, we're on one of the clubhouse boards together. Um, you know, and how that has turned out and how, you know, how spiritual that is, you know. And he's, he's way younger than me, and yet I listen to him intently. I don't hold his age, his age against him. Um, so at about year three was... I can start to see the spiritual stuff come into play. Um, 
and, and I just kind of sat on that one um, about that level for a while. I really could start to see the groups definitely as this is my higher power, the voices, the things that people say, you know, that's just my higher power. Um, about a year ago, just before year five, I got involved in this other thing that was personalities and principles conflicts. Um, and I really started to look at, you know, what am I doing doing this? What, what is it that, you know, is this my will or am I... What I was doing was something that I would not have normally have chosen to do, but because it was in front of me, I had decided that my higher power had put it in front of me. Um, and since then, I, I've kind of looked at things that way. Um, my higher power is kind of like a lumberjack. He knocks down trees in front of me, and some of them I know just mean go the other way. But some of them are, those trees are just the work that I'm supposed to do now. Um, and things just fall in front of me, and I'm like, okay, now this is my job. And I obey and I surrender, even if I'm very uncomfortable. Getting, oh, there was the one thing that I, I'd love to touch on also. Um, when I finally did lose the crazies, it was at about the two and a half year mark, which was great because I loved hearing everybody talk about how many years it took them to get their higher power, to lose their crazies. You know, I, I got a lot of strength in that. Or um, One guy was like, yeah, I found my higher power at two years, and I, and I love that. Okay, I got two years. And then when it got, got past that and I talked to him, he's like, well, maybe it'll take three. <laughs> and, you know, but then I bump into people that have, it took him six years. I met a guy that's taken him 12 years for him to stop being mad at God, for him to get a, a real higher power, you know, and I've never let any of that run me out of the rooms, which was, you know, that, that's really staying close to AA. And not letting that run me out of the rooms has been so important in my sobriety. Um, so important. And it's something that I love to talk about. Now that I have a higher power, it's a little harder for me to sit on the other fence. But I, I still like to talk about my experience and how it got me to where I am today. You know, it, nowadays, especially now that I have a higher power, I, I'm kind of excited about growth. You know, as people say... Hey, I remember when you were pretty twitchy in a meeting and, you know, and now <laughs> I have this other, have these other responsibilities in a meeting, um, you know, and I love to hear how people say that I've grown, you know, and, and I want to search out things that will help me to continue to grow in this program um, because I believe very strongly it's a 24 hour a day program, you know, and I want to do more than just maintain. I want to grow. I know not every day I can grow and I know some days it's going to be I'm going to go backwards and it's going to be personality you know there's going to be those days but that's why it's a 24 hour a day program and I can just you know I can move forward you know with that idea and it's so funny today's subject was on that it had to do with prayer and meditation but it was on um, a daily reprieve you know and I was thinking about you know I, I just think of these things randomly when I'm walking around my house getting ready you know and it's, it's what keeps me sober. It keeps me sane. Um, 
We got all kinds of stuff. Um, you talked about your um, home group and uh, that it is seven days a week, right? Five days. Five days a week. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. <clears throat> but um, what's the name of it? Where is it at? What Early time? Birds. Early Birds, Lincoln, Nebraska, 8.15 a.m. at the meeting place, 28th and S Street. Um, what is appealing about that group for you that you made at your home? It's a solution-oriented group, and it's um, it's very attractive because of that. And maybe it's just the mix of the people. Um, there's a mix of some old-timers and very new people. Um, this morning, what did we have? We had 39 in attendance and four card signers. I thought was a little low. Ah, would you want to explain that one for me? I don't think we've talked about a card signer in any meeting or oh. any uh, any one of my recordings. So years ago, according to the old people, because if you can talk about this, you're old. Um, courts started to send people to AA to get their cards signed. You know, whether it's probation or in some instances it might be a doctor if you're on a transplant list. Um, and so we sign their cards. And You're smiling. Is that something you enjoy? I don't mind signing cards. I think it's... Um, alcoholism is a hard thing. Um, and... Having a desire to be sober, you know, is our third tradition. And that's the only requirement for membership. I believe it was a bit controversial at one point when the card signers first came in because the people in the meetings weren't necessarily dealing with um, people that truly had a desire. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, simply the, in my opinion, I, I have no problem with it. Um, I, I think it's important that I always think back to when I had my DUI and I did not have to go to AA. Mm -hmm. And I always think, hey, if that judge would have made me go to AA, even just a couple meetings back then, a seed would have been planted in my head. And I would have known what a solution was way before I did. Um, not saying that I regret the past or anything like that, but there's just some things that, you know, that one's kind of obvious to me that, you know, I, I wasn't ready at that time. I don't believe I could have, I, I, I would have had a much more troubled time. Um, once I came into the rooms, I never drank again. Um, had I had that journey from 29, it would have been a bit harder, I think. Just, you know, people, places, playgrounds, that would have been difficult. You know, I, I had it so easy by moving here to Lincoln. Yeah. Um, so I just want to take a quick step back. Um, so when you were drinking, would you say you had good times? Yeah, I think there were good times. You know, I, I would say that. Um, my motivation for drinking wasn't always, you know, a lot of it was to kill pain or... Or I, I drink for so many reasons. 
you know, a lot of it was just for the medical part of it. Um, my reactions, you know, I would get really mad and angry and I would uh, have to leave the house because I didn't want my wife to just be subjected to crazy me. Mm. This was sober crazy or drunk crazy? This was drunk crazy. Ah, okay. You know, and so that was a big part of, you know, what I'd be doing. And, And once I got over to the bar, I could kind of relax and change my mind a little. I'm not saying this is a good thing because, you know, your health and so many other things, your, your, your honesty, your dignity, you know, can go away in a bar. And you, and when I was, you know, I was in that state of basically depression where I just didn't care about things for a very long time. Um, but it was, you know, it's, it's kind of, when I look back to it, it's a long nightmare, but it doesn't mean that there wasn't good times in between and that, you know, I still have some relationships with some of those people, especially the Marines. Mm. Um, and there's other people too, you know, people that I just adore. Um, but I can't participate in their life anymore. Mm. You know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to not have a solution anymore. Everything, you know, before I came into AA, I, I quit everything because I didn't, I didn't care. You know, like I said before, I just wanted to die. Truthfully, I wanted to find an off switch. Um, <laughs> you know, so if that's, you know, living like in the bigger perspective, you know, that that's, that's how I was really looking at it. And from my wife's point of view, it's probably definitely, you know, that horrific. But did I have good times here and there? Sure, I did. You know, um, at least they started as such. You know, I, I, I could generally be pretty good up to about my eighth drink. You know, uh, I always like to say this one. It was something I discovered. It took me a long time to discover, to discover this, that on my third beer was my magic beer. Um, I could actually stop. If I actually stopped and thought about it, I could stop drinking and leave. But if I ever got to my fourth beer, I couldn't... As much as I thought it, I was just going to have one more, no, I was going to have many more. I closed down the bar. I'm a lingerer. I would stand outside afterwards talking for hours. Um, you know, but now I just do that at AA meetings. So, you did talk about your higher power. Is your, is your higher... Would you talk specifically about what that is? It's a lumberjack. It, about it. Did you already say that? Yes. I missed that. I don't. I'm I mean, it's not really a lumberjack. It's just it's the trees that fall down in front of me. It's kind of how I the things that fall in front of me, and then you know, and then I'm like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do until it's it doesn't done. fall along the lines of the Christian God or no, any organized religion. I, you know. If I get into that, I start arguing too much in my head and I have to keep things simple in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, very simple. Otherwise, I, you know, it just turns into those days in which, you know, I would have ended up in the bar, you know, where I'm just thinking too much and arguing too much. And next thing, you know, and with the internet, you can start to search things and, you know, and you can justify and rationalize and, and everything else. And, uh, 
you know, it just doesn't work for me. Not, not today anyway. Today, I'm with my simple higher power. I'm happy with it. It works for me. Um, you know, it took me a while to get, get it to where it's at. So I'm pretty pleased with it, actually. So. Well, I'm, I'm re actually really glad that your initial explanation of your higher power kind of escaped me. And we dove into that a little deeper because I think that's great that um, I, I just really like the way that you are seeing that and the way you are explaining that. Um, because that might be revolutionary for somebody. You never know, but we all have to arrive at it on our own. And right, you know. But I mean, that might be that might be a tipping point, um, be. because so many people have so many issues with organized religion, and especially in in recovery rooms, um, and that's often a, a huge roadblock to people getting well. And uh, so, yeah, no, that's great, Steve. Thank you. Um, so you did touch on this, but I, I, I wouldn't mind exploring a little bit more. After my first year of sobriety, I expected things to be better than they were. I did because the alcohol was gone, but I had a lot of issues with who I was. Um, did you experience that at all? Or is there any other challenges that you've over? That, that you've encountered that you didn't think you would that were a surprise? I think that one's ongoing for me. You know? Just lots of little surprises? Well, there's tons of, you know, you, you go to enough meetings and you get involved in Third Legacy Service and, uh, mm. you know, you start to bump into some personalities. I often yes. say, not that I can't be a personality. I can be a personality. But I often ask myself this. Am I a personality or am I a principle right now? Hmm. That's a good question. You know, and... Uh, I mean, that's a good perspective to take. <clears throat> it gets me out of myself, especially if I'm excited. Um, again, as a Marine Corps Infantry Sergeant, sometimes I want to go headhunting and in AA, things don't work like that, necessarily. And, and maybe I'm wrong, but sometimes I think I see you as that same headhunter that just takes the objective off differently. I hope so. Like, uh, like, cool. like, you're tasked with a mission, and regardless of whether you want to, Yes. Uh, do that you're going to do that because that's what is required yes and so i i actually <laughs> steve and i were in a meeting this morning at the uh at his home group and uh yeah we're edging up on our max time on that app um and uh I, those were some observations i just made while he was chairing the meeting because He's pretty take charge when it comes to getting stuff done. Um, that's the way I saw it. I try to keep my, actually, I try to keep my opinion out of these recordings a lot because I, I really want it to be all about your opinion. Not even necessarily about 
AA or NA or any organization or any rules or traditions or I want it all from you and even if um, even if people I honestly have a tough time and I'm just gonna open up about it sometimes I have a tough time with even when I think somebody's not right when I'm sitting here I'm like this is their hour they're gonna be they're gonna be right <laughs> for now well, we'll let the listeners judge. As long I, as we're honest with ourselves. I'm not the judge. You know, it, we, it's an inside program. You know, it has to be practiced within myself, and, and I have to be honest. And that's what's important. What joys do you know today in sobriety that you never would have counted on before you, before you even entered AA? AA. Oh. My marriage, obviously, after six months of sobriety improved, I stopped living 15 minutes away from a divorce. Um, that's, which is I, really Sorry, good. that's a, it's just a really funny expression. No, it was, but it's pretty true. At least I felt that way. I don't think she felt that way, but, you know, she won every conversation by, no matter what it was, like, where's the scissors? By, I want a divorce. <laughs> and so that would <laughs> shut me up and... Um, you know, uh-huh. set me way back. And I wouldn't do it anymore in AA. I wouldn't be a doormat anymore. I gave her permission. And I think that was a great big freeing thing when we actually kind of came on to more of an equal footing in our marriage. Um, from my perspective, anyway, if you interviewed her, it would be different, I'm certain. Well, maybe we'll um, have to do that. No, but she, you know, another thing that I did was because I didn't think very highly of myself and I didn't deserve anything. And, and so life shouldn't have changed and I should have just been miserable or dead. I deprived myself of, I deprived me and my wife of a house. We could have afforded it. For years we could have afforded, we could have afforded a house. Um, but I just thought I had to torture myself more and more and more by mm. living in an apartment. We lived in the same apartment for 15 years. Never lived in the same apartment for 15 years. Um, you just get too much ownership. And with my PTSD issues, it just became a bit crazy oh. for me and my neighbors. Because I'm a bit take chargey. Yeah. And I have a humongous ego. Um, so once I got my back pay for my VA disability... I went to my wife and I said, let's get a house. And of course she was like, why are we changing? Because she didn't really like that. But, you know, like most, she's a very normal person. And so shortly thereafter, she got on board and and uh, we've had our house for three years. I call it sobriety. I'm so grateful. You know, I had to really tell myself not to worry about what other people think of me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a humongous hurdle because for years I was like, I am never going to live next to somebody for 20 years, at least in the apartment, you know, 15 years there. There was uh, nobody on our floor, at least, that was there for 15 years, probably nobody that was there for 10 years. Um, And, you know, being free from, you know, so you never had anybody watching you for very long, you know, and... And those were just the dumb things that I thought back then. And, you know, and once I got my house, it was just, it's wonderful. I love, 
I love having a garden. I love having mm-hmm. so many things that I didn't have before and freedom and, and I can walk on the floor, you know, not tiptoeing and I don't have to whisper and I don't have to keep the TV down low and my music down low. And, and so sobriety is great. You know, I, it, it's, it's just great. You know, for years when I was drinking, we talked about traveling other than Japan, um, right. going to, to other places, you know. And so um, in um, my second year, third year, we went to France, to Paris, and that was fantastic. Wow. You know, and, you know, and you'd think you're in a land of temptation, but it wasn't. I just, you know, AA is never far from me. They have cheese and bread, right? They have cheese and bread. They have lots of stuff. <laughs> Paris is mostly 20,000 steps a day. So. That's not off limits to alcoholics. Cheese and bread. Well, I had that. So, But, you know, those are things that, those are things that I've got to enjoy and got to do. Um, after that, I, I started studying French. You know, if you want to talk about joys. I yes. just started my fifth year with the Alliance Francaise. You know, I have... I have never done anything for this long straight other than the Marine Corps and, you know, high school and stuff like that. But, you know, this was like, this is my own voluntary journey into language and, and keeping on it, you know, and it's, and in some ways I like to, you know, one of my justifications for staying in it is because I look at learning French and doing AA as parallel. In 20 years, I'll most likely not speak French fluently. In 20 years, I will probably not speak AA fluently, but it doesn't mean I'm going to quit. You know, and that's, it's really important to me to not quit. I quit everything. I didn't believe in myself for years, and now I'm doing stuff, and I'm doing more and more and challenging myself, and, and it's hard. I mean, you don't know how many times that I bump into myself and I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm not capable. I don't have the capacity, you know, and that's the things that your head will tell you, you know, but then you go to the people that you trust in the fellowship, you know, or, or my wife, and they'll encourage me and, you know, and it's a 24-hour day, day program, you know, it's, which is so important. Forget about what happened yesterday. Just keep going, you know, and it's it's just something I didn't practice for a long time. I lost that kind of skill. And to be able to to do that, it's a joy. So, um, you've had a lot of good stuff happen recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, the reason we're here today the reason we're doing this podcast is to deliver a message of hope. We're here to tell our stories in order to relate to a person who may be hopeless. Maybe we can inspire them to reach out for help. If you could speak to that person right now, what would you say? I think the important thing is to just start. You know, it's, it, it comes back to the first things that I was saying where it's progress and not perfection. Um, I'm not somebody that can quote what everything is on the pages, and I don't have anything against people like that. But, you know, I I really believe 
know, what we're really involved in is um, a certain amount of spiritual unity, whether people realize it or not. And working together in so many different levels, whether it's sponsorship or if it's in service, is really important. And I think that it's it's just a start, you know, come to a meeting, you know, talk to people, get some numbers. I, I was horrible with numbers. I barely ever called anyone. But I was so good at going to meetings, I was always talking to people. Um, that that was, for, in my experience, that wasn't an issue. Um, I think going to so many meetings at first was so important for me to create those relationships, however crazy and outside I felt, you know, because I knew that there was a solution. Um, I had to really, I knew I had the desire, a real desire to stop drinking, you know, immediately. I, I really did. Um, I, I haven't questioned it really. There's been a couple of moments here and there, five seconds here and there. I think one time I was mad about something for about five days where <laughs> I would say, well, I deserve to drink. But, you know, I didn't say I wanted to drink. You know, I just said I deserve, you know, which is probably a, a start in the, in the wrong direction. But I was going to meetings at the same time. So, you know, we talk about a sufficient substitute. And that's the sufficient substitute right. in my life is, is the fellowship and whatever spiritual things that are, that take place in that, you know, whether I'm working with my sponsor or if I'm doing service work, you know, or if I'm just simply, you know, the, the repair guy is at the meeting place. And the next thing you know, he starts asking about, mm. what do you guys do here? Do you right. have other kinds of meetings? And suddenly we're talking about his drinking and I'm talking about my experience and strength and hope. And then, then I just, I have to stop and pause and be like, oh, I, I'm doing this now, you know. Um, one person said something to me that was really vital. You know, we're always listening or we're always teaching in whatever we do. And, you know, and it made so much sense of AA because so often I'm learning and I have to realize that. And, I, and, and those two things, I think, um, ex they change places rather quickly in conversations or, or in relationships, especially in AA. Um, you know, for me, simply, though, to get back to the question, you know, just, just keep coming back and just keep building, you know. Some people need to do stuff a lot faster than me, though. So that's... You know, if you need to do something faster, you better do it faster. It's true. You know, it, it's no, definitely. I, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for recording with me. Um, second of all, I want to make a statement of the fact that, um, you know, this podcast, I don't know if it was really intended, um, to benefit me, um, I I wanted it to benefit somebody out there that may need help. But it does. It does every time. It's in, in fact, it's it's almost insane to me how how much so and the nuggets of of wisdom I get from each and every person. That's invaluable, really. It's spiritual unity. It, indeed. I'm, this is 
I agree. 100%. Now for the misery. <laughs> no. <laughs> I added this when um, Katie M recorded with me. I think she was the first one that I added this to. I call it the Room 14 Lightning Round. This is a little lighthearted. This is a little more lighthearted. Carrie didn't. Carrie didn't think it was very lighthearted because she said it was too hard, and she kept complaining about uh, how I needed to remove it from the recording. But she, in the end, she ended up letting it go. Um, so the whole purpose of this is, you know, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says we aren't a glum lot. So we think cheerfulness and laughter make for usefulness. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where we're coming from here. So these are five questions. Most of them are silly, most of them are ridiculous, but fun nonetheless and, and perhaps useful. Um, share a humorous or quirky moment from your recovery journey that still makes you smile today. By the way, if you just can't think of anything, just say you pass. That's fine. This is going to be difficult because I'm, you know, I have to practice Rule 62 quite often to not take myself so seriously. Sure. If I literally don't go to an AA meeting, I may not laugh in a day. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's something that I'm still very challenged with. Um, and so, and, and my memory for things, I, goodness, it's probably not as good as it should be. Okay. Go for it. That's that's fine. That's good. If your recovery had a mascot, what animal or character would it be and what would its slogan be? No idea. No idea? All right. I'm a trainable dog. There you go. How about that? A trainable dog. I, I like it. I really do. If your recovery journey had a theme song, what would it be? No idea. No horrible idea? at lyrics, yeah. What's that? I'm horrible at music lyrics. Okay. What's the weirdest or funniest piece of advice you received in, in your recovery journey? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> in June, so in my fifth and a half year I don't know if this is humorous or funny but this one guy was talking about his um, advice to one of his sponsees and, and I find this guy to be very spiritual so I like to be around him because I'm constantly on the search to be like you know when's something gonna like light up my world and uh, and he goes yeah I, I told my sponsee you know just just give it all over to God live in God's way for one week and then the next week don't and uh yeah so i tried it <laughs> somehow it worked you know my wife and i we were planning on going to japan and and so i i have all these issues and it's really complicated i gotta be on a certain side of the plane and with a bulkhead and everything else and uh i know this isn't funny but this is funny for me it's fine and it's uh, you know, and I found myself doing that thing again where I was fighting everyone and everything and and stuff. And and I was like, wait, let's just give it over to God. 
just go along with whatever. I'll survive. I'll be okay. So it's a 14-hour trip to Japan, right? You know, I had the best trip there and back out of 13 times when I just said it was all in God's hands. And ever since then, I have had a more concrete idea, more concrete. You know, you have to understand it comes from a very abstract place. <laughs> but, you know, a that, concrete that, that, idea from an abstract place. Right. Well, I mean, it's progress. I know. So, you know, that's the weirdest thing, you know. I mean, to me anyway, it's like, oh, that, something like that just works, huh? You know, when I'm really finally willing to take some advice, you know, at like year five and a half. You know, it's not that I'm dragging my feet. I don't think you would say that I've been dragging my feet at all in this. I mean, there's some areas that I drag my feet. But, you know, I'm generally willing to do everything. That's, yeah, not that funny. But for me, it is. No, but you know what? An answer is a win. And, you know, and this is an inside program. So it has to be funny to me. Yeah. And silly to me because I'm the one living this program. And that's you know, it's just fundamental to be, I think, to being successful, you know, is being honest with yourself and, and still being able to learn again. Indeed. No, like I said, an answer is a win. It's a W. Last but not least, if you could invite any celebrity to share their recovery story on this podcast, who would it be? You look like you're struggling with this one. This is the one that everybody seems to have an easy time with. Well, my problem is I don't really care about those people, so I don't take times to learn names of movies, movie stars, or books anymore. And that's fine. So, you know, it's, uh, I live a much more simpler life, you know, and in, in a celebrity I'd rather hear just some newcomer off the street. I'd like to hear the story of the homeless guy, of one of the homeless guys that's attending our meeting. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it would be worth 50 minutes of my life. That You know, it, it probably at the very least, you know, even if it went off the, the rails, you know, I'd, I'd get a lot of gratitude for 50 minutes for, thank God it's not me, which is Indeed. often the story, which is... You know, puts, you know, as selfish as that sounds, you know, it's what puts me in the right place, you know, in my sobriety. Indeed. Well, that was fun. Do you have any final notes before we bid? I have a question. Oh, so, he's turning turnabout. Totally what do you got? This is going to be totally a turnabout. And that's fine. But I think that this could be something uh, useful. It's not something that I completely understand. So to some degrees, I'm out of bounds on this, in this question that I'm going to ask. But I think it's a, it has to be a question that there's a lot of people in AA ask themselves about their higher power. Okay. And I think that your experience, um, being a long-term member of the church that we're in, yes, uh, much longer term than drinking. Correct. Than your, than your uh, sober right. time. Yes, definitely. And... You know, and it's always something that I'm, I'm curious about. It's just, it's out of bounds for me because I don't, it's not part of my story, you know, but I see lots of people that I care about um, that it is an issue for them. 
you know, when they first come into the rooms. And maybe even for a few years when they come into the rooms. And it's the idea of... Um, It's the idea of, so how, and, and I'm going to put this in a very crude way because I'm, I'm, I don't come from that perspective of that's how my higher power comes from. So I'm trying no to be judgment. super careful on this. No judgment. You know, um, how does somebody get sober when they drink with Jesus? And drink with Jesus? Well, if you're Is in communion, no, a lot of, no, 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 no. You're a church-going person. You yes. think that you're a religious person, and you're an alcoholic. Yes. You know, and then you come to AA, and you already have your higher power, and it's the same higher power that you drink with. Yes. And how do you change? Do you need to? Ch how, if that doesn't work for you, I guess is maybe my question. If how do you switch your relationship with Jesus? I would guess, because I think people have a hard time with that when they come in and they think that they have a higher power already, and then they go back out, and then they come in and then they go back out, and you know this is why I think this is a big question. Yeah, and this is a perfect time for you to get it on here, or at least it's a conversation that you can start with people, because I think that this would connect so many people that are religious to their higher power, or or just even perhaps give them relief to work it a little different. Your turn. Actually, I actually I really like the fact that you decided to ask this. For one, for one reason, um, a few people are, have been asking me, when am I issuing my recording? And I'm like, um... I haven't given it, I mean, I have given it some thought, but I don't know how to tackle that. And um, if people turn things on me like this within their recording, well, then, you know, I guess I can chop down at it a little bit at a time. Because, um, like I said, I, I typically try to not voice my opinion within um, other recordings just because it's about them. But you're asking, so it's different. Um, if I understand you correctly, um, my higher power did change when I got sober. Um, I never really, there, a lot of people, especially people that grew up in some kind of Christian background, um, saw God as a punishing God and you had to live by these rules and 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 all this dogma and for one the church that we're in right now um is the disciples of christ church and it there isn't a lot of dogma that's one thing um it's a pretty and i'm going to say forgiving from for more than one angle i guess it's a pretty forgiving denomination. Um, really, the m most important part of um, their, uh, I guess, the, 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 the mission, maybe, um, of them is to follow the, you know, 
a lot of people refer to it as the golden rule, but um, Christ said, or God said, um, treat your brothers as you would treat me. So that's basically what they follow is, you know, treat people like you would treat God. And that's actually pretty, I mean, it's not easy, but it's simple. Um, so that eliminates a lot of the, the dogma. Um, but when I became sober, there was a lot of things that I had a hard time swallowing. Um, you know, like, like, like certain things that a lot of people ask, you know, why does God allow this thing to happen or this horrific thing to happen? And, you know, um, I explain that with the fact that God gives me free will. And that's, that kind of aligns with AA and, 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 um, and some of the step work because I need to then give that will back. Does that jive with you? I don't, well, I guess it doesn't matter either way, right? No, it's your answer. You're asking. Um, I mean, is it answering your question so far? Not yet? Okay. Um, well, and maybe my question is flawed. And like I said, it's just from my perspective. Um, well, I want to make sure I'm answering your question. not Because you know, I think that what's... I'm solution-oriented. Sure. So when somebody comes in and they're like, I already got a higher power and, you know, and I'm just going to go to church more and I'm going to come to meetings and then they go back out in 30 days. Hey, did and some... then they keep, and then it happens again. Because I think you had some of this experience once hey, or twice. AA made my relationship here better probably because a but was a it, did you talk to jesus the same or no did you talk to and that's God what i was saying that was the second did you you know i mean that's and, and me, like i said me not coming from that perspective necessarily it makes it hard for me to really say this because i know i'm talking about your higher power and your relationship with it sure you know and then if i start to say hey you know if you got drunk with jesus maybe you might want to you know, look at AA in a different way. Well, back then, yeah, back of course, then, some people believe this is divinely inspired. The the big I, book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I, I think that is entirely possible. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's possible. That's, I mean, I, I don't. I guess I don't want to make a statement that I think it is or that I think it's not, but I think it's entirely possible. Um, but no, my my relationship with Jesus and, and God is not the same. And I don't, I didn't talk to them the same. I didn't, the things that I ask for aren't remotely the same. And I think that's almost cliche. I think you hear that all the time because I asked for specific things for me and all selfish things. And now I don't. Now I ask for knowledge of will, strength to do will, courage to do the right thing, um, the knowledge to, to help that person with whatever I can help them with. Um, I often like, when I'm, when I'm feeling um, uncomfortable with work, like maybe inferior or fearful, I, I ask God in the morning, help me go give my company value for their dollar. You know, 
Because I owe them that. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Honest. Yes, yes, yes. That's a better way to say it. It's honest. You know, I I struck a deal with them. God help me make good on my deal. And so those are the kinds of things I ask for now that I didn't ask for then. And my, my prayers are often, sometimes I say a little more formal prayers, but most of the time it's, conversations i have conversations like i am having with you and uh you know and i ask god for the same things you know another sober day thank him for a sober day dan dan s was famous for that one um and often i see his face when i ask for those things um but that's what the principles of aa have taught me and that like i said that they have strengthened my faith in God, and they've strengthened my, um, I guess, commitment to, to the church. No, but we're still talking about spirituality, and we're talking about your spirituality, and you did answer the question for me, I think, and it was, or at least you did answer the question, you know, and I found it to be interesting because I don't have that perspective, but you answered that it was a matter of your prayers changed and how you talked to yeah. God. You know, before you got sober, before you really got sober. It's funny. after. I don't know if you've heard me say it before. It's kind of comedic the way I say it, but the the sentiment is genuine. You know the the JFK speech, ask not what you do. Mm -hmm. That's what's really changed for me, is it used to be, why hasn't God done this, this, and this, and this? And now I'm going... Why haven't I done this and this and this for God? And by this, I see this doing service. This recording here, I see as doing service to God. Chairing AA meetings, I see as doing service to God because I'm treating (laughs) my fellows as I would treat God. And I'm reaching that hand out. And... uh, I love that. I don't know about you. <laughs> and here we go again. But I love the responsibility statement. That's one of my mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite literary things in A is the responsibility statement because it puts it all back on me. And it says, if I want this hand that helped me to be there, I need to be there mm-hmm. and be that hand. Yep. So and I wanna just add, Steve is definitely that hand. I see him doing a lot of things that help help make sure that hand remains. So. Well, that one ended kind of weird, and I apologize for that. Steve deserved much better than that. I want to thank him. Thank you very much, Steve. Um, you had a great interview, great story. Lots of great tidbits. I love the part um, about his higher power. And uh, though um, he might have talked a little bit above us with a, when it comes to service work, um, I did attach a link um, for the website about some of the service work Steve talked about, including the GSR, on the show notes. 
So feel free to check that out. Um, Steve claims the following meeting is his AA home group. Early birds, A15, in the meeting place in Lincoln, Nebraska. The other details, including the address, are in the show notes. I want to thank all the people, including Steve, who have listened or recorded with me or are supporting me in this journey in some other way. I really appreciate it. You can now find the Room 14 podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Oh, I forgot to forgot to mention Google Podcasts. Also on Google Podcasts. Wherever you end up listening to our show, please give the show a rating. And please feel free to comment um, or ask questions in the comments. I'll be happy to get back with you. You can also contact the show through our email account. It is room14podcast at gmail.com. Again, room14podcast at gmail.com. That will also be in the show notes. Um, But, you know, like I said, uh, wherever you listen to it, please feel free to give us a rating. Feel free to go ahead and give us a comment and any any criticism whatsoever because I want this show to be the best it can be for the listeners and for the guests that that go out on a limb to uh, help relay their story. If this story might relate to someone in your life, please refer to them. Maybe it'll help them ask for help they may need. Anyone who needs suicide or mental health related crisis support, addiction perhaps, or who has a loved one in crisis can connect with a trained counselor by calling, chatting, or texting 988. If you're in this situation, use that number. Drop this one up. You know, get the help you might need and live your life with joy. As always, have a great day.